3: encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for I'd future entrepreneurs. Today. We have a
0: wonderful guest that I'll be introducing in a little bit. Her name is Dr. Joanne Cacady Monzo. She is not only the department chair for the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine, but she's going to talk to us about a brand new servicing that she's offering for women rejuvenation treatments for aging and postmenopausal times things that we're all going to actually come up against at some point, some sooner than later. So I'm very excited to have Dr. Monzo with us. She's also a very dear friend and someone who delivered my two children 13 and 12 years ago. So I have a special place uh, for Dr. Monzo. Before that, though, I do want to go through what we started last month, which was our discussion around self-awareness and the things that you want to do to make sure that you are Mm self-aware and, With that, you have to make sure you're making choices and decisions for yourself around what's right for me, but not necessarily worried about what other people think and what other people feel is right for them. So we started with a free giveaway that Susan put out there for anyone who wanted to take a DISC profile. And I welcome the first callers that actually go and take it the online version. I would love to set up a time to talk to you about that because I am a true believer And that the more you are self-aware about your own style and your own tendencies the better decisions you make and the choices you make for yourself what I'm going to do over the next couple months is I'm going to walk through the four different styles of behaviors that I focus on with my clients the things that I have found very helpful and very valuable for them because it allowed them to look in the mirror know how they were making decisions and Doing things for themselves that turned out to be great things for those around them as well So the first topic is I'm going to talk about a style that I call the driver The dominant one the person that's very direct very decisive Those are the folks who always like to be in charge because they need to be in charge So how many friends family colleagues? Do you know that always seem to be at the front of the line having to make all the choices and be upfront? Those are the people who typically are very comfortable making tough decisions. Those are the people who are okay with failure because taking risks is what they're comfortable doing. Why, because that keeps them moving. So this style, this very driven, very assertive, and sometimes a little demanding style, tends to be the ones that have the voice that everyone hears. Now those are great things when they're looking to be the leader and in charge, but they're not great things if you have to be around someone who's got those styles because they tend to be a little abrasive, they tend to be a little overbearing, and sometimes people don't enjoy being around those sorts of styles. These are things you have to think about when you know that might be your style. Is it that you are very driven, very aggressive and assertive to make it to where you're going? How are you impacting those around you? How are you looking at how your behaviors are causing some sort of impact to someone else? Those are the things that that style doesn't do very well. Those are the areas that I tend to focus on with them where I ask them to pause, stop, spend a few minutes to see what's happening around them. Now, I am very comfortable and familiar with the DISC profile. So if you are as well, this would be that D style. The color-coded red, the bracket that has dominance in it, that would be that style. But if you're a strength finder's person, that would be the executing person, the one who domain is always on leadership and executing. And if you enjoy Myers-Briggs, that would be your ES or your EN types. All profiles are very valuable. I happen to lean towards the DIS profile because it works for what I'm doing with my clients. But this style is found in all of us, so there are many ways to find out what your style is. I would recommend using one of those three styles to see what type you are. What i described today is the D style, the dominant, driving, very assertive, aggressive, but also the one who's innovative, takes risks, and usually goes the last mile to get where they're going. So there's always a positive and a negative, and the key is if you're self-aware, you'll be able to balance the impact it has on you and those around you. Next week we'll work on the influencer and the building style. And we'll talk a little bit about that next month. But for those that would like to try taking the profile that Sue offered, please do. And you can certainly reach out to me at tish at candor-consulting.com and I will spend time to review with you. Now we're gonna move on to our guest, Dr. Joanna Kakati Monzo. Again, a dear friend, but a well-known, well-regarded doctor who has focused on the OB and GYN studies with women and delivering not only children, but also carrying through their gynecological cares throughout their life. She's still my doctor, but over the last two years, she's Created a focus on helping the aging and rejuvenating us as women to maintain the things that we would like to see in our lives continue. So, welcome, Dr. Monzo. Hi, how are you, Tish? I am well. It's so good to hear your voice. We never get to see each other anymore. I know, life is
1: so busy, right?
0: Well, I'd love to have our guests hear a little
1: bit about your background
0: and, you know, having two children of my own. You know, how do you have a path that you know you would like to form on what you want to be when you grow up? I know I ask my kids that all the time, and they really don't have an answer for me. What was it that drove you to think about becoming a doctor?
1: Well, first of all, it's a privilege to speak to everyone today, um, and, you know, it's easy for me to answer that question, because it's funny, I, I always ask my mom, or when people ask my mom, you know, well, what did she want to be when she was little? She has no answer for that. Now, my older sister, who's not even a year older than me, my mother will say, oh, she wanted to be a school bus, not the driver, the bus, and it's interesting because mm-hmm. I'm the second child, and just like with, you know, when you take pictures of your first and you've got a million of them, and then it comes to your second child and you literally can't find one. Like, the only picture of me is with my older sister, so we always <laughs> laugh, and I'm really close close to my mom and close to my my sister and love them both dearly, but it's just funny because... I don't have an answer to what I wanted to do when I was little. But I think, for me, I have always had this incredible love of babies. You know, I'll see a baby in the mall with the little fat creases and fat rolls, and I just want to go up and kiss them. And my, my daughter has said to me, please, mom, don't do that. You're embarrassing me. Um, and I've done that with every baby that I've delivered. I stay close to my families and my babies. And, you know, practicing obstetrics has been such a privilege for me. It's unbelievable. You're part of these people's lives. You get invited to their kids' birthday parties and christenings and graduations, and I get cards at Christmas, and I watch them grow up. And honestly, it's such a noble profession. <clears throat> I would never have picked anything else, and and I've been so lucky to be able to be part of people's lives in that regard.
0: That's amazing to have yourself pursue something you love. Not everybody gets that op- opportunity, and... Uh, And I can attest that you do constantly have family and friends around you because you are a magnet for that, for sure. Now, what was it, though, as you were going through the navigation? I mean, you have a daughter, so you had your own child. I mean, how difficult was it to maintain, you know, the career path and and the the strenuous, from what I remember, every time I would see you for my appointments, you had pulled a two nighters. And uh, how do you balance that? I mean, that must have been grueling. On you as a person
1: yeah I mean it is obstetrics being an obstetrician is certainly not an easy job Um, it does have its it's uh, times when you 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 know sit back and think wow it would be really nice to sleep two nights in a row six to eight hours which is what people tell you you have to get and you get very used to not sleeping you get used to the schedule Um, does it impact your life sure it does uh, you have to try to find a balance, and you know, for myself, um, it's it's a difficult thing. Um, I did go through a divorce, um, the chief year of my residency, which you know is is heartbreaking to me. I'm still very close to my daughter's dad. We still I lo- I love him to death. He's a great guy, um, but I'm sure that my professional career certainly did not help that relationship. Um, There were times when, of course, you had to miss things that your children were were doing and going through. I remember my daughter's um, confirmation standing in church, and my beeper went off. Um, It vibrated, and uh, the woman next to me said, oh, no, and I literally had a patient who was rupturing an ectopic pregnancy in the emergency room and had to dart out of the church and missed her confirmation. So, yeah, you do have to miss some things, and it's a sacrifice, but I've loved it through the years, and I would never do anything differently or, or change anything.
0: And you have a wonderful relationship with Marissa, um, your daughter, who I don't think she would ever think you're not there. So for those of us who have to balance very strenuous careers, uh, the guilt uh, that inflicts us at times where we think it's impacting our children in ways that we could, they could never forgive, it's amazing how resilient they are, and they do get it. Um, and I bet if we had Marissa on, she would not feel you missed anything because you are very close to her. So I do think it's spending the quality time when you're with them to know that they're loved and that you're there for them and that you won't always physically be at every event for them. And I kind of struggle with that a little bit with my two kids that I already know with the school year starting, I'm going to miss stuff and I have to pick and choose which ones do I miss and which ones mean most to them. And sometimes you just don't know. So you mentioned life's biggest challenges as you know going through um, your your strenuous career what what was the impetus for you to start to think about changing what you were doing but yet still staying in in the field of medicine what what brought you to some of the new things that you're doing today
1: Because they're very different yeah yeah definitely and and you know it's funny, Tish, one of the things that you know I want you to keep in mind as your children get older, my daughter's now at University of South Carolina, she's a sophomore. She's an awesome person, as you know, one of the kindest people I've ever met. And I think that if you asked her that question about my missing things as she grew up and what it was like to be the daughter of an obstetrician, she was proud of me, and she is proud of me and and you know that's one of the things that I think is so wonderful to hear from her. Um, So, yeah, I think we all do a great job at balancing our careers and being women and being home with our children and being there for them to grow up. Um, You know, this change that happened a couple years ago was kind of not really planned, but planned on some level. Um, It kind of all fell into place. It's like when the stars align. I had kind of decided years ago that I was not going to do obstetrics and delivering babies full term. Um, my entire career and I knew that somewhere around that 50ish you know year of, of age that I was going to probably morph into something a little bit different and at the same time I've been teaching at Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine for gosh 12 or 13 years Done at their Atlanta campus as well as the Philly campus it's an awesome medical school with awesome kids I call them kids they're young adults um, and at the same time that that was happening they were deciding what to to put me into their um, program or college as. Like, well, what am I gonna be there? They wanted me to be an employee, not just a guest lecturer. And around the same time, the chairman of the department of OBGYN retired. So I was privileged enough to get that position there. And with that, that was the time where I kind of sat back and I said, okay, I can't really do obstetrics anymore because I'm at the college half of my life. But I didn't want to and wasn't ready to give up clinical medicine. And, you know, my career has kind of mirrored my patients in that as things kind of went on from a younger obstetrician-gynecologist to now, I hate to say an older one, but I guess that's true, um, I feel like I've done the same things my patients have and issues that are so sensitive with people in gynecology, things like infertility, issues with not being able to have a child. I remember the day that my infertility specialist looked at me and said, Joe, it's not going to happen. And and it's devastating to people. Um, Now I'm at this age where God help me if I lean over the mirror. Because, Tish, I'm telling (laughs) you, you look better laying down. Do not lean over the mirror because that's when you see all the wrinkles and all the stuff that's happening and the sagging and the loss of good collagen and good tissue scares the (laughs) out of me. Um, And at that point I thought, oh, God, i got to do something i got to do something to help people. i got to do something to help myself. I'm going to kind of turn what I'm doing in gynecology and specialize in peri and postmenopausal women and anti-aging stuff and sexual dysfunction and all this stuff that kind of becomes more important and more right in front of us as we age.
0: And, you know, it's so interesting. I used to worry about different things 20 years ago than I do today. I used to be able to do things differently 20 years ago than I do today. So, no matter how much we stay fit and in shape, and I say this all the time to my husband, he goes, But you look great for your age. You look so youthful. Your body's still, you know, as old as it is. I mean, I turned 50 this year and I said, I'm a half a century old. No matter how many things I do to stay fit, this body has been walking around for 50 years and it's going Mm -hmm. to have its toll that we can't fix with a good diet, right eating and exercise. There are some other things that just happen, and I was, you know, lucky that pregnancy was not one of them, but I have tons of friends and family where, you know, getting pregnant was always the big scare. I remember as, a, as myself, my first visit with you, I said, you know, I don't know, I hear stories, it's probably going to take years to get pregnant, and I'll never forget, it. it was in July, and October I came and I said, I'm pregnant so but not everybody has that and i think over time um the stress of uh, maybe it's the the stress that we have on our bodies more so we're impacted by things like not being able to have children as readily without additional help and aging is no different right we we have to figure out ways to you know do things longer that we want to keep doing like exercise and tennis and sports and there are things that you know, I wanna do that I know years ago people stopped doing after a certain time. And today you don't have to because you can keep going. And for example, we watched the US Open and, you know, there are people in their mid thirties um who are still playing and one of the commentators was John McEnroe and he said, You know, I ended my career at twenty six because I thought that was the right age to retire. I see people now in their thirties playing. And it's just the way things happen, you know, so I'm very looking forward to you giving a lot of detail um, for our listeners as to how do they start to recognize and understand what these things are that you're going to talk about. But before you get there, I guess there are challenges with starting things new. You know, what would you say the biggest challenge in making that transition for you from going to more clinician uh, to now becoming someone who's actually done, I guess, some studies and research to figure out, well, how do I help in these areas?
1: Well, first of all, I think that my background as an educator at the medical college has really helped that a lot because I've I've had to um, kind of stay cutting edge. I, I have to be on top of everything, which I've always tried to be. But now I'm actually teaching other doctors, and so that becomes utmost important to me. Um, so that's great, and and the innovative stuff that's out there is just it's incredible. It's it's unbelievable to me how much there is out there for us, and you know. We've come a long way, baby, right? Remember that statement, that commercial that used to say that, and it's so true. Things that we, you know, our parents never talked about. You know that movie where they say, you know, the woman at the at the table, she whispers, "cancer." It's like cancer. Mm. She has cancer, right? <laughs> and all these women, these words that we were always, you know, scared to say in the past. I was laughing the other night with my my niece because she just had a beautiful new baby that I delivered the last no uh, February, and she was changing her and little clara said bye bye vagina and i burst out laughing because my gosh how many of us used to say vagina when we were little now vagina is is you know every other word out of our mouths is on the front of magazines and and i think it's great i think the changes that have happened in the last 15 to 20 years with how comfortable people are with talking about sexual health issues sexual health dysfunction issues anti-aging issues I think it's great I think it's a great change for women good for us
0: yeah it is good for us men though I have to admit growing with my kids I called it some I called it the lady and you know it wasn't until my daughter was older that we started to have the conversation of what the lady really is because if you look up lady you're not necessarily going to find the right definition for what we're talking about and I remember when my son said well do I get a lady too So we had to quickly start to think about realistic terms and start to talk to them now that they're, you know, teenagers. Through that transition, we now give it the real name. But I remember when we were, you know, they were little, I couldn't even say the word, right? It was hard for me to start to use that word and not feel risque, like, oh, that's a bad word. But it's not. And, um, you know, you also have been a part of a lot of amazing women, um, you know, gatherings where I know you've hosted and have allowed You know inspirational topics be taught to women about women issues and you know one of them was learning a lot about these procedures that you're going to tell us about people were surprised uh, that there were things out there and I think first of it is the knowledge right is the awareness similar to my earlier conversation about being aware you can make better choices for yourself if you're aware and I don't think we were always aware that there were things happening, A, to our bodies, or B, that there's ways to prevent or enhance things so that we could, you know, mm. continue to live a comfortable and, and, and more fitting for our lifestyle. Um, so that's exciting. Now, I wonder if you can just kind of highlight for us uh, just top, topical, because we'll go into a little more detail maybe on one or two areas after the break but what are some of the things that you're going to raise to talk about to get our listeners really geared up to what is the next half of the show going to look like?
1: Well, okay. And how
0: long is this show? <laughs> <'Cause I have laughs> well, we so only get, a, we uh, get so
1: much believable. time. But <laughs> I could talk for hours about this because there's so much out there, Tish. but I'm going to, I'm going to highlight a few things. Um, one of the most, unbelievable things that are out there that i've been now involved with for a few years is the vaginal restorative or rejuvenative procedures um they have been unbelievable what i've watched unfold in front of my eyes for this last year since i've had the the vaginal probes um, for thermi thermi is a company that's one of the companies that makes the vaginal rejuvenative procedures um, it's amazing my patients results have been literally I, I can't believe it. It's so eye-opening. It's so unbelievable for these people. It has changed their lives as far as going forward. Um, I had a doctor on Saturday that I did her second procedure, and when she walked through the door, she said, you know, I was going to call you, because after the first procedure, there's a, there's a grouping of three. You do it three times about a month apart. She said to me, after my first procedure, Dr. Monzo, I was It was unbelievable to me to change. She said, I was so pain-free having intercourse with my husband. This is awesome. We need to tell people about this. And I said, I'm trying. Um, Another patient I had who had uterine cancer who had horrible atrophy because of the radiation that she got six years ago after her cancer, and she literally stopped having intercourse completely. Um, She, again, after her second procedure, she texted me and said, and it was late at night, and said, uh, Dr. Monzo just had intercourse with my husband for the first time in six years. We both love you. Oh, my God, what a home run. To me, that is such a huge success story. And I, please, I'm trying. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I'm patting these procedures on the back because they're literally life-changing for people, and it's awesome. Uh, that's one of the things. Then there's a huge group of anti-aging procedures and things that you can do and understand all the women I'm talking to. I am really not someone who's going to be the go get every plastic surgery there is. In fact, although I love plastic surgeons and what they do and they do awesome jobs with people who want that, I don't. And so I think one of the other things as I transitioned out of delivering babies that I was really passionate about was giving people a choice of kind of that middle of the road you know, I'm going to do nothing, I'm going to just age gracefully and be happy about it, I'm going to be that person who has six facelifts, or what's in between. And I'm kind of that in between, and I wanted to make sure that I was aware of and was offering my patients all of that in-between stuff. So I've kind of picked the best that there is out there of everything, and that's what we do.
0: Now, when you say we, are you part of a business that is You know a place that people can look up and find out about
1: their background and you know their
0: certifications or are you doing this on your own
1: well so this all just is brand new tish we've been you know I've been doing this for about a year I have my own private practice as you know I have a couple of offices but there are some women that I have um, associations with who do things that are a little bit different and so we're all complimentary and we are trying to get something together, in fact, kind of in the midst of it right now, very exciting stuff, where we're putting something together that is a we, that is a bunch or a group of professional women who all offer things that are a little bit different, but putting it all together, there will be you know everything anybody would ever need or want.
0: And so when you say things like there's the Botox that people can do, there's facelifts that people can do, there's enhancements, and now there's this medical procedures that are changing also areas like your your vaginal area and how those things changed us over time. They can all be grouped in together so that if someone wanted to understand all the different postmenopausal things, I could be looking out for because I'm sure I'm coming up along this quite soon. I don't even know what I don't know. <laughs> so are there ways to you know become informed and aware? And is that the type of setting that you and and these other groups are trying to put together more of awareness so that people can pre- proactively be in charge of their future versus reactive? I mean, some you can't help if it's due to an illness, but let's just say if there are things that people are suffering with that they didn't know there's a cure or help.
1: Yeah, that's right. And there isn't really um, a website yet that, that's all inclusive of these things. And, in fact, if this ends up um, becoming what we think it's going to, There will be a website. Um, I have my own website, which has some of this stuff on it. I've tried to update it periodically, and we try to keep up with what there is out there. It's just amazing how much there is, and you have to keep adding to what you're doing. And, uh, And, you know, Tish, if there's anybody who wants more information or wants to talk more about any of the things that I end up talking about today, I'm always more than willing to get on the phone with them and give them any information I can to get them aware of what's out there. Yeah,
0: why don't we give out the website, too? Now, we'll do it again at the end of the show, but before we hit the commercial break, for those that may not be able to stay with us for the full hour but are intrigued by some of the things that we've talked about and also want to learn more because they are just curious um, because these are things that they never thought of, um, how do people reach you?
1: Oh, there's so many ways to reach me, Tish. Um, so I, my office number, which is kind of the main number, and because I'm so many different places um, you know, with my different hats on, I've tried to make it so that there's one centralized number, and then we kind of sift it out depending on who's calling and what they're calling about. The main number is 484-924-8373. That number actually has on it a message um, that has my cell phone number on it I'm very um, I give my number out easily because I just want people to be able to get a hold of me if they need to I've always been like that with my patients and I just think it's the best thing it's the easiest way to get a hold of people these days everybody's connected to their phone um, so if it's a voicemail or a text message or a phone call it doesn't matter to me as long as you can get to me um, my and I would imagine is this is a so-
0: sensitive topic, too, so people are not necessarily – they're probably very comfortable talking to you live to ask questions and stuff. So I would imagine that that would be something that people would feel good. We're going to head into the break. Um, give your website real fast, and then we're going to come back.
1: So it's Joanna to JoannaKatymondo.com, J-O-A-N-N-A-K-A-K-A-T-Y-M-O-N-Z-O.com.
0: And we'll say it again later at the end of the show. We're going to take a quick uh, break. Uh, you're listening to Women to Watch at WWDBAM 860. I'm.
2: There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy.
4: I'm Jocelyn Ewart, Founding Principal of Entrust Financial in Wayne, Pennsylvania, and it is my pleasure to share financial tips with you during my monthly segment on Women to Watch. I hope you are a regular listener like I am and that you are finding the personal finance tips I provide helpful. Some of the topics we have discussed so far this year are how to get organized, how to help your children learn good money habits how to create that all-important travel budget, and what steps are needed as you prepare for retirement. Now I have truly exciting news for you, news you can share with your family and friends. As a veteran certified financial planner professional, I just published my first book, Balancing Act, Wealth Management Straight Talk for Women. It is filled with inspiring real case studies to help you and other women move past fear, build confidence, and make the right decisions without financial concerns just go to amazon.com to purchase your copy and please write a review for balancing act wealth management straight talk for women i look forward to reading it
0: hi there you're back we are Hi, this is Tish Galero. You're listening to Women to Watch on WWDB AM 860. I'm with Dr. Joanna Cacchetti Monzo. We were talking about her new service offering on postmenstrual, postmenopausal, and anti-aging. I just want to let listeners know we are live at WWDB AM 860. And if you have questions and you want to call in, the number is 888-329-3306 be part of the show with us, 888-329-3306. Sue is away on vacation, and I'm filling in. This is Tish Colero. We're going to now go back to our conversation that we were having. Um, Dr. Monzo, we talked about some very um, personal and um, sometimes embarrassing topics. We were talking about um, vaginal care. We were talking about um, how it improves and helps women who have had painful uh intercourse and how it has changes that how do you start that topic with someone i mean are people comfortable talking to you about these things i mean i you know i grimace a little bit i'm probably so old school on saying those words because they're always so private how have you found women to have these discussions to get into this this, the the next stage of helping them
1: well, Tish, I think things have changed over the years so unbelievably. Um, it's interesting. I, you know, I've always been someone who has tried to, in the midst of the history taking at your annual gyn exam, one of my questions always is, you know, do you have any sexual health issues? Um, I know most of my patients really intimately. Um, I spend, gosh, a half an hour to an hour with everybody that I see, which is very odd these days for an OB/GYN because people just don't. We don't have the time. And one of the things I did when I came out of my very busy practice and doing obstetrics was I promised myself that I wasn't going to see patients every five minutes or every 15 minutes anymore. And, you know, there's another side to that, which isn't great for me, but I don't care. I love spending time with my patients. And you would be amazed if you ask the question, how is your sexual life? How are you sexually speaking? Are you having any issues? Is there anything that's come up? Are you happy? um the the answers are just unbelievable. You just have to open the door for people. And I will say this. Um I can't remember now if you went with me or not, but remember Fifty Shades of Grey, the movie that came out? You know, I did not go it, some with some you didn't
0: do <laughs> that, but I do remember the movie.
1: Well, I'll tell you, that movie did a lot, I think, for gynecology. It was something that, you know, for, you know, there's people that liked it, there's people that didn't But if nothing else, it really started to open up women's ideas about everything regarding sex and their sex health and their sex life. And they became, it was almost overnight, they all of a sudden started talking about things and being a lot more open. Um, And many of my colleagues said this, and it was actually kind of interesting to watch it unfold. Um, You know, you had the people who were reading their reading the book, um, you know, putting something over it, covering it when they were doing their exercises at the gym because they didn't want anybody to know they were reading it. By you know, a few months later, everybody had the book out. Everybody could see what you were reading. Nobody cared anymore. And it really kind of hit the gynecology world, I think, in a very positive way. Um, And that's kind of what I took out of that book. I thought it was great that it kind of opened up people's eyes to sensitive issues about their sexual health. It also opened people's eyes to sensitive issues about, you know, child abuse Um, because this whole book was about a man who was abused and what happens to him later in life because of it. So I thought it had a lot of good qualities to it. Um, But women, if you ask them, they tell you for the most part. If you make it a comfortable environment to talk in and you make it something that you're saying to them in a way that makes it seem normal and okay. There are so many women out there that are plagued with sexual issues, sexual dysfunction issues. Um, whether it's emotional or whether it's something pathologic and physical, um, and unless you ask them, they're not necessarily going to talk to you about it.
0: So if I'm a listener and I'm not a patient, um, so I don't know if everyone has the same same sort of care when they go see their gynecological checkup, to me it sounds like the place that that dialogue could naturally unfold. Let's just say they don't have someone who's Going to give them the time to have that discussion or perhaps it's opposite sex sex asking and they're not going to feel comfortable asking if i'm a listener and i'm sitting home and i'm thinking how can i start to see or or feel things that may make me want to call you like what would be some signs or um, what are the, the things that i would be feeling or the things i suffer from what are the triggers that would allow me to start to think wait a second i got to speak to this person Because I am having those, or I feel like that. What would they be?
1: So probably number one is vaginal dryness. Decreased lubrication because of the lack of estrogen. So when we go into perimenopause and into menopause, um, there's a steep decline in our estrogen level. And estrogen is kind of the, think of it as kind of the, what keeps our tissues really nice and healthy and plump and juicy and uh, kind of an odd term to use, but it's it's such a great term because people know what that means. Um, with wonderful elasticity and lovely tissue that does what you want it to do, stretches when you want it to stretch, and contracts and tightens when you want it to contract and tighten. As we age, this all kind of goes away little by little. Vaginal dryness is probably the number one thing that my patients complain about when they go through the change of life. Um, painful intercourse. It's called dyspareunia in the medical world. But a lot of people will come and say, gosh, I just... I have so much pain I don't even want to have intercourse anymore. Oh, my gosh. I don't want that to happen to you. Let me fix you. That's what I say to people. <laughs> uh, difficulty, difficulty reaching orgasm. There's a million people. In fact, today it was very funny. I just saw patients starting at 1. In fact, I'm on a break for my patients to do the show with you. My patient that was in at 1 o'clock was telling me a story about how she's having unbelievably great orgasms. And so I said to her, listen, we're doing your annual today, and i got to talk on a radio show in a little while, so I can't really talk to you about this, but this is unbelievable to me. You are, we're going to go out for a cup of coffee. You need to tell me what you're doing or what he's doing. I need to be able to share this with my patients. So we're actually meeting out for a cup of coffee because I cannot wait to hear what's happening with her. But that's the minority of people. The majority of people either are fine or have trouble it takes a long time to get to orgasm, or they can't have an orgasm at all, called anorgasmia. And there are multiple sexual dysfunctions that can be um, linked to these type of problems, Um, and there are multiple things that we can do to help you, whether it's me, whether it's a sexual health therapist. There are many unbelievable women out there um, that do these things. I'm right in our and area so, and um,
0: and some of it I guess what you're saying is it's not their fault right I mean I do think that oh no no many no. times if there's something wrong like that they feel guilt uh, as to what am I doing wrong why can't I be like this why isn't it working what am I not doing right and what I'm hearing is it could be your body having some not of the things it needs to have or age Has changed your makeup inside and some of the things that provided the 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 moistness that you might have needed is not there naturally you have to induce it or bring it so that that must you know that's probably the beginning eye opener is hey it's not your fault right and I think many of us always go back to try to fix things and always think it's us and women in particular tend to be the fixers of all that's not working for everybody else but themselves it's really refreshing to know that there are, you know, ways that we could get an outlet to find out how to fix things that have nothing to do with us but have to do with our body, either aging or missing something that has to be, you know, easily done with a treatment. Are treatments painful?
1: No. mm no, and, and it's interesting that you, I want to just comment on your, your comment about how women blame themselves and think that it's something they're not doing. And it makes me think of a funny story. Years ago, there was an article in Cosmopolitan, and it, was, it asked a group of men, it did you know one of those polls, and the, the guy had to point to the woman's clitoris. And I think it was 71% of men didn't know where that was. And I was hysterical. <laughs> I think I just cut out the article. I had it on my wall in my office for years because it was just hysterical to me. I love men. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not trying to bash men. But how funny is that? So, yeah, we can't take the blame on that one. Um, right. And no, women out there, it is not your fault. There are things that happen as you age that we don't have control over. God knows if we did, none of us would let them happen, right? Right. And as far as, you know, the tissue changes with the lack of estrogen and the change in hormones and the changes that we go through, it is something that we can combat some of it, some of it we can't. Some women get placed on, I remember hormone replacement therapy, estrogen, progesterone, everyone got put on it as soon as they hit menopause. Then there was a study years ago that came out called the WHI study, and it really changed everything for everybody. It changed things for patients changed things for us, for gynecologists and doctors around the world who were just putting everybody on it and thinking we were doing really good things for patients. Now, we may have been. There isn't really, the jury's still a little bit out on that subject with, is estrogen, progesterone really something that's that's bad for people necessarily? And the answer is really no. Um, There were things that came out of that study that got shown that people didn't expect. And so that's why things changed in medicine. Um, but we are doing studies right now and trying to sift that out and, and making sure that what we're giving patients is safe. So your doctor who might put you on estrogen cream, localized, in the vagina, or might give you a pill, um, can help you with that. There are certain women who don't want to take estrogen. There are certain doctors who don't want to use estrogen. There are certain p- patients who can't take estrogen, patients who have had breast cancers and uterine cancers and things that we worry about the risk that is involved with possibly taking Um, estrogen not necessarily localized because it's not a lot of systemic absorption with a local estrogen but there may be someone who needs a little bit more or who isn't going to take that that wants an alternative and that's the biggest thing here Tish is we never really had an alternative for patients and now we do and this is awesome
0: awesome is right Um, I I think that you know just knowing there's there's something to try because I do recall when I went for my last physical, my doctor said, you know, Tish, you're getting to that age where you're going to have to um, think about what you're going to do, you know, post-menopausal, you know, I'll I'll get some maybe estrogen if your body's going to need it. And I'm like, well, I don't even know if I want all that if I, you know, let's, let's see where I am when it gets there. And I do think that the option to know that it may do something, but it's not curing the things that I'm, you know, that that person could be suffering from. So just to go back to the treatment, so not to scare anyone, let's just say we sign up for this vaginal treatment. Walk me through. You said there's three steps or three visits. What do they consist of? What 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 are they like? And you know you know how quickly do you see change?
1: So uh, so let me start by saying there are now um, multiple or a few different companies who have put out vaginal rejuvenation, vaginal restoration procedures. And they're all very good. Um, The one I use, which is called Thermi, Thermi Va is the name of it. It's part of Thermi RF, which is Thermi Radio Frequency. It's an awesome company. And I have the privilege of being on their clinical advisory council because I started with the company years ago. And I actually bought the machine originally because I knew these vaginal rejuvenative rejuvenative procedures were coming out. And I couldn't wait for them to perfect their probe and come out with this. Um, There are other companies out there. There's one that has a CO2 fractionated laser called Mona Lisa Touch. Uh, They're all good. It's a venue for our patient to get better. To me, I don't really care what I'm using as long as my patient gets better and it's safe and it's effective. That's all I care about. don't care which one it is. In fact, if the other companies want to buy me machines and send them to me, I'd be more than happy to use any of them. Now, I have Thermy. I think Thermy is unbelievable. I love the company. I love what they do for people. my machine so i'll speak just about mine because i don't know all the particulars about all of them we did get number one at the aesthetic show for vaginal rejuvenation which was an awesome awesome thing and a privilege for thermi um it's a great procedure and of course there's you know pros and cons about everything so each machine has little differences that you have to take into account and see which one's best for you um with thermi you basically come in we have a consult I'll do a little bit of history. I do a physical exam because I don't ever do any procedure, whether it's minimally invasive, non-invasive, or invasive, on patients that I don't know very well. I I do your full history on you, and we do a little bit of an exam. And the exam is pertinent to what we're doing. So obviously we would take a look at your vaginal tissue, do a pelvic exam, ask you a bunch of questions, make sure there's no reason not to have it. Um, There are almost no contraindications to this procedure, which is awesome. So it's really for everybody. Vaginal dryness, painful intercourse, difficulty reaching orgasm, sexual health dysfunction issues, issues with urinary leakage and incontinence as long as it's mild, Um, skin laxity for cosmetic purposes. I did a procedure on a model that came down from New York who wanted her vulva to be tighter. I don't do a lot of the cosmetic stuff. I try to kind of stay in the therapeutic world, but it's used for both, and it can be great for both. Um, Most of the stuff I'm doing is therapeutic for patients, and most of my patients have either had some bladder and leakage issues. The main thing is probably painful intercourse, vaginal dryness. Um, so, walking so they through, come in for the first the,
0: visit, and the first visit they you find out the symptoms. And I would right. sign up and I, say, I okay, sure I, want, I want to do
1: this. And I make sure it's right for them. I'm also right. one of those doctors who, if it's not the right thing for you, I'm going to send you out the door and say, you know what, you don't need this. Um, if it's something that I think is going to help them, then I will talk to them more about it. And then we set up their first appointment. There's three appointments now, about a month apart. Is it in the office? Time?
0: Do you do it in an yep, office? right
1: there in the office. Okay, Yep, right in the office. We actually have a beautiful office up in Willow Grove, and I do most of the patients up there. Um, there are other places I can do it or I do it. Um, it. It's a great procedure. I get to talk to the patients for almost an hour. I'm in the room with them for what seems like forever. Um, it's a very slow, methodical procedure. It works great. It's radio frequency, heat energy, so it's a tried-and-true type of um, modality. Um, There is really no pain with the vaginal procedure. Um, I've never, with all of the people that I've done in the patients, no one has really complained of anything, either during or afterwards. There's no pre-op kind of um, procedures. There's nothing post-op that you have to do. In fact, with Thermi, you literally can have intercourse that night. Um, you don't have to worry about anything, putting something in your vagina or not wearing a tampon, not going in the swimming pool, none of that. Um, so it's a really easy procedure. It's very safe. its um, I'm fortunate that because I'm on the Clinical Advisory Council, I kind of get to know everything that's happening with the patients, really across across the country. Um, if there was anything untoward or any risks or any problems or any burns or anything else, I would know about it. Um
0: so it's your first wonderful. treatment, just and, to ra- just to wrap up for our listeners, not that we're wrapping up, but I want first treatments roughly an hour. It there's no pain during the procedure. There seemed to be no impact to your activities post the procedure, and between and it's about an hour. So, well, when when
1: I say an hour, sweetheart, the the actual procedure is about twenty minutes. You have to warm up minutes. the tissue, and then we do about five minutes on each wall of the vagina. Um, I'm in there with them for about an hour because we we talk first. We do, you know, all the stuff that we have to do first, the consents, et cetera. And then afterwards there's, you know, a little bit more talking, and I tell them what to expect, and we go through, you know, what to expect between then and the next visit, when they're going to start to feel changes. Um, With Thermi Smooth and Thermi Tight, which are other Thermi procedures that are more for body contouring, wrinkle reduction, little lines around your mouth, little lines around your eyes, that kind of stuff there there's a little bit uh, different things to tell them thermiva is easy there's nothing before after they have to do uh, it's a very comfortable in-office treatment
0: so the dermy procedure can be the V A, which is the vaginal or more more of a cosmetic look if you're going to lines and stuff so it's really all the same okay that was good so now the second visit between the first visit is how long in between
1: Well, for ThermiVa, it's about a month. So a month later, I come in and have the same
0: procedure. Okay.
1: That's right. And you have three about a month apart. Um, And most people are seeing results within a month or two. So sometimes almost every patient so far that's come in for their second procedure, and certainly for their third, has already are already telling me stories about how great it is and how it's changed their lives and how much more comfortable they are I had one patient who called me and texted me oh my gosh Dr. Monzo call me and I called her and she's like I have this clear sticky discharge and I said that's because you're getting your lubrication back it changes your tissue back to the way it was or changes it to be close to the way it was when we were younger which is wonderful it makes that tissue it's neocollagenization it changes hmm. histologically changes your tissue it's it's an amazing now, how long does t- it last
0: so, so if you do you have to do this yearly or once you do it how long does the impact of the change last? Is it forever? You don't have to ever do it again?
1: No, because we're going to continue to age. And so we're combating that. Now, the company will say once you have your initial procedures, you should come once a year, same time as your annual if you want, and have one procedure. And you do that yearly until you either don't need it anymore or don't you know don't need to come or don't want to come or or are you know of the age where you're not it's not an issue for you anymore um, I've already had a couple of patients come back for their yearly and uh, I mean the probe just came out in July so or June last year so it's only been about a year that we've had this
0: Wow I have to say so Amazing. I mean, I um, would imagine anyone who's got any of that discomfort must be ecstatic to know, A, there is an option that you don't have to have it anymore. B, it doesn't hurt because whenever I have to come see you, Joe, and get a checkup, I hate the stirrups and the whole thing. It always does hurt. So this sounds very refreshing. Now, what's your age grouping that you start to see this happen? Like, what's the target range, is? and this is for the VAG, not for all the other procedures, but let's just stay on this one. What would be the normal age frame that you've been at least servicing with this now?
1: So so the target, of course, is women who have this issue, and most of the women that have this issue are going to be in that perimenopausal to menopausal age range. The average age of menopause in this country is 51. So, you know, your late 40s, 50s, 60s, I've had a few in their 70s. Um, I've had a few that are in their late 30s, early 40s. So a One patient came in, and she said that um, she wanted to have it uh, a little bit early because she was feeling some changes already and really had just started into the change of life, and everyone in her family had gone through menopause early, um, 41, 42, and she was exactly that. She was 42 and came in and said, I want to start this. Um, she's one of the people I've had back a year later already so some people are doing it as a prevention too, um to having issues
0: does it ever um, can you ever do it too much I guess you know if you're going to start young is there a time frame where what what we're doing to our vagina actually could be a problem if it's done too frequently or once a year even if you start in your late 30s instead of your 50s or 60s it really doesn't matter. Does it take a toll on the vagina at all doing this?
1: No, we don't believe so. Um the the recommendation from the company is that we do one follow-up each year. Um and you know, one year apart for something that's radio frequency, which is a very safe modality. Uh, I don't think that there are any issues with that at all.
0: Wow. I have to say, Joe, this is very interesting. And I would imagine for some people, the first time they're ever hearing it, um, like I have heard it before, but not in this much detail. Um, And I would imagine that there are going to be a ton of questions that people have. So what I do want to do is let people hear again a way to reach you via phone, your website, so that if they do want to call and ask questions, because it is a very sensitive topic, before they come visit, they can get comfortable. How do we reach you again?
1: So my office number is 484-924-8373. Uh, on that number is my cell phone number, too. And it says, if you know, if we don't get back to you in a couple of days, please call the doctor on her cell phone. Um, my website is Um I think it's easy to reach me. I think people can find me pretty readily, and, and if just head and text me, voicemail me, whatever you need to do. I have uh, an email address that you can also have. It's J. which is K. A. K. A. T. Y. M. O. N. Z. O. at Comcast.net. Feel free to throw me an email. Um, I'd be happy to help anybody who wants a little more education about this or has some questions. Um, there's just so much out there, Tish, and there are some things we haven't even we haven't even hit on some of the other great things that there are out there that I'm teaching and educating about now that I have a little bit more time and, and I'm not up every night delivering babies.
0: I would imagine you went from delivering the babies to managing their entire life as the mom, right? As the as the mother going in and having you deliver, you could still stay friends with all those same people um, because that's what happened with us, right? So it's one of those things where as we mature and our bodies mature, it's great that you have focused on it And maybe it's because it's also your age bracket, right? I mean, I I tend to think people do things with their own sort of changes in mind. And you made this shift probably at the right time for even your life where you started to see some of the change and some of the aging process and and being the doer and the driver. And I imagine you'd be a D on disc for sure. Tenacity of figuring out, well, how do we solve for this? Because no one else is doing it. What are we going to do about it? Um, if well, you have any questions, I I right. I mean, if if you have any questions, and and obviously you know, um, Dr. Monzo has given her information, but there's always go to Sue Rocco. Obviously, when she gets back, um, an email to her to reach um, uh, Dr. Monzo. There's myself Tish at candor-consulting.com. Uh, we talked about a lot of very unique. Um, things today. I, I mean, I'm not sure if, if this was things that were very common to people's mind, but I'm sure some of our listeners are, 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 are really putting a smile on their face going, "Ah, oh, there's a solution for this. I just thought this was the way it was going to be. Because I know sometimes when I don't know enough, I just have to go with the flow and figure, well, maybe there's no answer. And the fact that this is aging and it's going to happen and it's going to happen to all of us. There's a good chance that, you know, one of the listeners could change their life today by trying out this procedure, by reaching you, um, Joe, and, and having just a discussion to see if it's something that you can help with. And if that's nothing right. else, that's and the whole purpose of the show.
1: That's right. And, you know, and you're right. I, I have it does mirror your life. I mean, uh, I don't know if you remember at my 50th birthday party, I bought a big four and a big zero. And I put up a big, huge, pink four and zero. And people came and they kind of looked at each other like, wait a minute, I thought this was our 50th. And I was like, I'm not putting up 50. And we laughed about yeah. it because that's just, I can't even believe I turned 50. Um, there is so much out there for people. Um, it's unbelievable. I can talk to